The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Ajit. In today's episode, I have a friend of the podcast, well-known cricket blogger. Hello, Aryan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ajit. How are you? Well, I'm doing good. A bit hectic with work and other things going on. But otherwise, yeah, more or less uh, usual introduction to the new year after the holidays and other things. How about you? Yes, understandable. No, things have been fine here by God's grace. 2023 was a big year professionally. It was a learning curve in terms of enhancing my craft. And I'm looking to keep up the good work in 2024 as well. Hope so. And uh, well, we wish that you grow from strength to strength. I know you've Thank come you. uh, quite a way. And uh, we hope you carry on the same way. We have quite a few topics to discuss. So I think we can start with the India-Afghanistan T20 series. And I believe one of those matches you even attended in person, right? So let's start off with the first T20A where in Mohali, it, there is a pattern to the two T20As. Must be said that, you know, India bowling first, restrict Afghanistan to something they believe is chaseable and then go ahead and sort of their middle order, a couple of new guys, especially coming into the squad, get the, get the chase done. So yeah. first T20A, your impressions? First of all, as you said, uh, there's been a pool of left-handers that Rahul Dravid said has been crucial from a matchup standpoint. And uh, if you see Rinku Singh, Yashasi, Jaiswal, Tilak Varma, Ishan Kishan, who didn't make himself av- available for the series. But hmm. all these left-handers coming into the middle order add an exuberance to the Indian batting, especially with the Rohit Sharma and Virat Kohli's conundrum going on in the backdrop. But strictly speaking for the first T20, I, I think... Uh, uh, one of the biggest positives that have emerged from these two T20Is is Shivam Dubey's batting and uh, his potential filling in as a like-for-like replacement for Hardik Pandya. I think uh, on a good batting surface with minimal movement upfront and negligible spin, mm. Afghanistan didn't really blaze off the blocks because only 33 runs came in the power play for no loss in the first T20I in Mohali. So if you know they could have pressed the accelerator on a pitch that allowed for natural free-flowing stroke play, it could have been mm. better because it left them 25 to 30 runs short of what could have been a good total on that surface. And India did struggle a bit before, as you said, the youngsters joined in and brought India closer to the target. So, look, let's maybe have a quick chat on that conundrum that you brought up. The Rohit yeah. Sharma, Kohli conundrum. Is this a step back for India? Maybe not the first time we'll go over such a move by a cricket board, but why did they choose to come back? They had stayed out of the equation for a year almost, right? Yeah. And then 
I'm sure it was them asking, and the, I remember the chief selector Agarkar flying out to South Africa, sitting with them, yeah. having this chat, and so on. Right. So, the question is: Is this a regressive move, considering their age, and you know, also maybe their eventually diminishing returns in all formats? Yeah, Ajit. So, uh, firstly, let's talk about the facts because Rohit has not had a year in T20 cricket where he has struck at 140 or above since 2018. and kohli faced 124 balls of spin in the middle overs of the apl last year for a strike rate of just 110 which is obviously considered ordinary in today's day and age but i think as things stand the management has reposed their faith in the adaptability of the senior batters even though as you are well aware the pre series cricketing discourse revolved around their roster and eventually fans and pundits alike labeled their selection for the afghanistan t20 as a, as a backward step as you rightly pointed out so whatever be the long term implications of sticking to the old guard i think there is a conscious effort to nudge the safety first approach of the table because it was evident during the afghanistan series and rohit looked to impose himself from the word go it may or may not have paid off because he fell prey to the ball watching folly of shubman gill in the first t20i and then got mm-hmm. bowled in the second one but there is a conscious effort and you could uh, make it out from how kohli went about his business in indore because he kind of tore up the old template and came out firing on all cylinders took mujibur rahman alone for 18 of 7 bowls of course the indore pitch is known to be a feather bed and the lightning quick outfield helped him but the mm. change in batting approach is crystal clear now it boils down to execution because it's not like india have suddenly tried to reinvent the wheel it has been a work in progress for a long time now over the last 2 3 seasons but we have seen the batting suddenly revert to type in global events suddenly there's a couple of wickets up front and india go back to their conventional roots rendering all the planning and speed work that had gone into redefining the methods futile all of a sudden so i think it's a matter of execution because this is the last assignment india have before the marquee event that is the t20 world cup and them being selected for this series does imply that they will travel to the icc trophy and we can actually hope that kohli and rohit's batting styles come out well in sync with how t20 cricket is played in the modern age yeah i mean the two ducks for rohit also doesn't help because he's a better cricketer when he's relaxed i think when he's not thinking yeah. too much about how he has been doing this and that he's usually a better batter and he's been giving the starts for india in the recent times anyway when it comes to even tests right he's able to give you that slightly turbocharged start um and he did that not very long ago i guess it's sort of one more tilt at a world trophy we've dis- we've discussed we've heard this all before but yeah. for me it feels like a little bit of a regressive step because there are so many people waiting in the wings gill well he's not been having the best time out of it so maybe a drop in the second t20a will help him uh, there is rituraj gaikwad there is sanju samson there are many other people including shreyas ayer kl rahul who have been rested right so for me that felt a bit weird giving yeah. shreyas ayer and kl rahul some time on the bench hardik pandya being injured you bring these two back it felt like a terrible stopgap measure simply because you cannot see india going into the t20 world cup without rahul and ayer right mm-hmm. but then 
what about the people who have been performing well here i mean you are asking a bunch of very talented people three four people whose name you already took right yeah, yeah. dube varma jitesh rinku right all of these yeah. i somehow think shubhan gill will make the squad right so mm-hmm. in that case even all of these washington sundar right probably these people i'm thinking maybe one or two of them will only go because because of mm-hmm. the other names we just took and they are poor international quality players it's it's, it's yeah. not right i felt on so many people asking to compete for so few set of slots or yeah. slots it's it yeah it feels a bit weird but okay yeah coming to the results themselves first of all from afghanistan perspective they'll be a bit disappointed about how the opening are the first top 3 for us gone uh, maybe even in the second uh, t20i no kulbadin naib being uh, promoted making a 50 but still they don't have that the required firepower somebody like rahmanullah gurbaz you would expect to be blazing away mm-hmm. right and even the failures of najibullah zadran to mm-hmm. produce that firepower at the back end of the innings uh, hurt them because i think uh, after gulbuddin nayab produced that sprightly 50 nobody really hung around from the batting order to support him because one or two knocks of 40 odd could have taken afghanistan to an even better total because 172 even though might appear strong and formidable on paper it is an inadequate total on a surface like holkar which mm. obviously offers two browns and you can hit through the line which was evident in the way yashasvi jaiswal and shivam dube slammed those half centuries at a strike rate of 200 right see uh, also the way they combated spin i think akshar patel is making a good point yeah somebody like ravi bishnoi got targeted in both the games yeah uh, but for me washington sundar i expected him to do a little bit as well maybe he'll do a bit more if given an opportunity in the fourth uh, uh, so the 3028 the pace bowlers have done slightly better ashdeep singh has been very good in both the t20s mukesh kumar as well shivam dube giving you those two to three overs or whatever is required right just to give the relief to one of the spinners who might be getting hit a little yeah. Yeah. the real the real showman has been akshar patel who's actually tied down afghanistan in both the games nabi yeah. did a bit of hitting in the first one then as we already discussed naib did it in the second but you're right that little bit of sting in the tail is missing is it just rashid khan who can also hit a bit maybe that could yeah. add that firepower or somebody else because i see najibullah has dropped himself on purpose i suppose first of all he's not the captain in this series right ibrahim yeah. zadran i don't know if it's again a stop gap measure it felt like a little bit of a regressive move if you ask me from afghanistan mm. your thoughts on these things uh, firstly you're speaking about akshar patel i think uh, his bowling has really come of age after the 2023 series because mm. uh, he was languishing a bit in the odi aspect because when there was not help available from the surface it could just be a case of how australia go with ashton ega because nothing really happens off the surface because he doesn't turn the ball a mile so mm. it's nice that he is worked on slowing up the pace and using the box a little more cleverly because mm. that adds a little string to his bow and uh, also in the batting department i think having capable hitters like akshar patel and washington sundar at number 7 and 8 is providing india's top order batters more freedom to attack because mm. that could uh, be made out from the way rohit also swung for the fences from ball one and virat went about his business so when hardik pandya returns he will lend even better balance so i think now the foundation has been laid and if india are going to stick with kohli and rohit they really should 
bring their game up to scratch and uh, also speaking about afghanistan's bowling attack i think mm. one of the observations i felt during the second odi in indore i was at the venue and karim janat struck twice in the 13th over to give afghanistan some respite um, right. and i wondered if afghanistan could have launched him earlier instead of introducing spin in the power play because he seemed to be someone who was bowling at a decent click and hit the deck hard uh, even rushed uh, shivam dubey on the pull with his rapid action so just uh, underutilizing him leaving his two overs down the plate didn't quite feel right in a game which seemed to be frenicking along so i think uh, tactically it was not a sound move uh, they could have introduced him in the power play and used maybe a couple of more overs of karim janat right and i also felt you know he was not he was not uh, up to it in the field somehow his head was somewhere else almost he was mm-hmm. fielding not very well and that 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 didn't show up nicely but nonetheless he's in the team as a bowling all rounder and he bats lower down the order it makes sense that uh, somebody who's clicking especially when you know things are quickly spiraling out of control the way yeah. shivam dubey got going i mean yashasvi jaiswal is a completely different beast in t20s the way he bats in odis sorry the way he bats in tests you see yeah. it's it's a complete like it's a jackal and hyde sort of a story yeah. but shivam dubey has been the revelation so far in the series as far as india are concerned jitesh yeah. sharma has been sort of absent uh, even behind the stumps he's been okay but yeah. i was looking for a bit more Rinko Singh not a lot of chances, uh, but he's done what is required. For me, between somebody like Jitesh Sharma and Washington Sundar, I expected them to do a bit more slightly. Uh, but outside of that, India will be happy with this. Uh, how things have been working out, you will yeah, see that Arshdeep and Mukesh will make the T20 squad. We know Ravi Bishnoi is probably on the fringes, but yeah. he has a chance to push his case also during the IPL because yeah. you know Jadeja will definitely come back, but. i'm not sure if ashwin will get a chance in the mm-hmm. t20a squad so that's where yeah. somebody like washington sundar a like for like for ashwin right so yeah. not many people can compensate for that guile that ashwin has but akshar right. patel will definitely go but it will mm-hmm. be all about the pace bowlers as well because it will be played on faster more even pitches right so yeah. arshdeep people like bumra and shami coming back to the equation so that's the important part siraj also has been rested in this series all yeah. three main pacers you know knowing the india uh, the india england series is around the corner they have been rested yeah. Yeah. so you know just to round out this topic because we are talking of indian cricket and all these names that we mentioned india have released the squad for the first two tests dhruv jurel gets a call up as a sort of a backup let's put it like this right yeah so the first two england tests um india have a very interesting squad so dhruv jural yeah. and then well avesh khan retains his place yeah. as the pace backup right so for you any other surprises in the squad no i think it's a fairly well picked squad because jural recently scored a century half century for india a in a four day first class fixture against south africa a in benoni and followed it up with a 38 ball 50 to make the headlines in the closing stages of the two day game against england lions which was concluded recently in ahmedabad and his knock included three sixes and five fours so it's a very handy uh, third keeping option after kl rahul and ks bharat because india have been vying for a wicket keeper batter who can change the complexion of the game because that's why ishan kishan has been fast tracked into the red ball squad 
and uh, you know ks bharat also took the game on in that border gavaskar trophy against australia uh, slog sweeping lion and also jurel uh, having played 15 first class games averaging an excellent 47 it's a good pick i think he may or may not make the squad but it's an interesting selection nonetheless uh, apart from that uh, the return of kuldeep yadav and aksar patel into the test squad because kuldeep uh, on surfaces which can assist spinners and which don't he is a pretty handy bowler because he can you know create things out of nowhere he has that guile that revs on the ball to leave batters in a tizzy so i am quite uh, happy with the selection uh, on surfaces that do not provide much for example in some sessions avesh khan can hit the deck hard and reap extra bounce out of the surface so india have all bases covered in my opinion right so that's the india squad and it looks as you say fairly balanced and a lot to look forward to the series starts in about 10 days time uh england squad i don't know if you've had a chance to also remember that because they announced it well ahead of time but that's yeah. that's to be expected for me one yeah. of the talking points is that they are coming just 3 days before the series starts off yeah no practice games so something that surprises you or something that they may have simulated the conditions sort of back home and some other thought process yeah i was just checking out their instagram and they have been arranging a training camp in abu dhabi so mm-hmm. you can make out that they are trying to simulate the conditions uh, by preparing rank turners over there uh, but for me the more interesting conversation is hovering around the baseball philosophy because uh, ben stokes gave out a very cool statement that when we beat new zealand 3-0 the talk was that we can do it against south africa pakistan or australia but mm. we've proceeded to make a splash against all those countries so who knows if we can do it against india also only time will tell because the last time england went to india they mm. lost 3-1 and right. alistair cook lost 4-0 as captain in 2017 and on the previous two tours they've by and large stuck to those conventional methods barring the odd flashes of exuberance for example moeen ali and ben stokes producing centuries or kevin peterson doing it in 2012 in mm. ahmedabad they've largely stuck to those orthodox methods and it hasn't paid off superbly so elster cook saying that they won't die wondering and they won't have nothing to lose is actually a fairly cool statement and i think it sets up the inning sets up the intrigue nicely because you know indian spinners in their backyard they are absolutely lethal they are forces to reckon with and for a visiting team to come here and say that we'll take them head on we'll take the bull by the horns it's a delicious prospect absolutely and you can expect there'll be some sparks so for me the batting of england sort of stacks up beautifully and they have enough par hitters they are whatever the proven quantities harry brooks uh, some of these they might be proven outside in the back in the baseball you know mindset and other things but when it comes to playing in india they'll also be here either for the first time or for you know relatively new here so people like zacrolly have something to prove ben duckett sort of came out of his funk in india only with england i remember ben fox is back in the squad for me well the spin department they don't stack up very few spinners very few spinning contingents out there will match ashwin jadeja and so on but jacklich will be their lead spinner of course but then what do you make of the backup in terms of rehan ahmed shoaib bashir and um, uh, tom hartley 
uh, I think I read a bit about Shoaib Bashir because he is a new kid on the block and uh, England seemed to have spotted something special in him because England, the new selection panel, as you can see, they are not reliant on stats and score sheets per se. They look for that axe factor in a player and Shoaib Bashir bowling mm. in the county circuit has impressed Rob Key and his ilk with the guile, with the variations, with the way he uses the angles. And obviously, he is a tall guy, a beanpole of a spinner, so he extracts that bounce off the deck, which can come handy on Indian surfaces with the short leg and silly point. So, I like how the interesting selection processes have panned out. And uh, it was, as you rightly mentioned out, quite a long back while when they announced the squad. So, mm. Indian team have announced theirs recently. I'm really looking forward to the contest and I hope to travel to one of the games probably in Rachi or Rajkot to catch the action live. Lovely to hear that because see for me Leach and Hartley are sort of like for likes. Mm. Uh, the only X factor is Rahan Ahmed but he's sort of shaping up well in international cricket so I'm really looking forward to how he'll do in helpful conditions. Yeah, but I'm just worried if Jack Leach and or Tom Hartley, I know Jack Leach will probably start with Rahman, Rahan Ahmed. I don't expect them to go with three spinners, irrespective of the conditions, frankly. The mm. way India have stacked their squad, you'll see probably three spinners. But the other yeah. team, we don't expect them to have three spinners. But we'll see how that goes. Because Joe yeah. Root is there, right? Who was sort of a backup there. Yeah. So they'll go with two spinners and then Joe Root will be the off-break variety. Whereas Shoaib... He might sort of come into it later in the series. It's a five-match series after all. So, I'm looking forward to all of that. I yeah. somehow still think it'll be all on how the spinning contingents perform. But yeah. they also have a couple of uh, surprise spacemen, right? Mark Wood, you'd never yeah. know what he's going to deliver. And Gus yeah. Atkinson, probably. Because um, James Anderson will start, I think. But he'll not play five tests, for sure not. Mm-hmm. So, then, because Ben Stokes is also not going to bowl... Uh, you would expect maybe not in every game at least. So then yeah. it will all fall on the likes of Ollie Robinson. And, Correct. you know, the spinners. So for me, because Anderson, Wood, and even uh, Atkinson, if they play, they'll be used very sparingly mm-hmm. in small bursts. Then it'll be uh, Ollie Robinson carrying the load along with people like Leach, mainly to start yeah. off. Right? So yeah. there, I think they may have a little bit of a issue if they can't get breakthroughs as soon as they would like. Because if you remember in the previous tour, I think India had sort of given them the taste of air quotes baseball where I think they had made 500 odd, India went on to make 700 odd, something like this. And then still beat them in that crazy, crazy game. right? So almost like what Pakistan did to or England did to Pakistan. So, So I don't know if they'll be able to turn the tables here when they visit India. It's it's a slightly different prospect, simply because of one, yeah. the quality of batters and the spinners. But a lot to look forward to. Yeah, one of the factors that augurs well when you speak about the pacers is that uh, those on the fringes like Gus Atkinson, he took 20 impressive wickets at an average of 20 in 5 games this year to help mm. Surrey win the county championship. And he was a member of England's team during the recent ODI World Cup in India. So, he has miles under his legs as far as bowling in India is concerned because at times you see that teams, when they just land on overseas shores, they can be found wanting in terms of the lengths they want to hit because it happened to India in Centurion. Their lengths were not quite in the 
six to right. eight meter zone as you like. Uh, they were floating deliveries up. They were bowling far too wide, and then you saw complete three sixty degree turnaround in Newlands, where they were right on the money from the word go, and it just reflected into the uh, way the game panned out because it was the shortest completed test in history. So it's good that even guys like Hartley and Bashir have been training in the UAE with the England Lions team. So mm. I'm really looking forward to how the spinners. perform and uh, one of the crucial ingredients of success as far as bowling is concerned is the proactive captaincy because as we were talking off the record uh, someone like smith standing in for pat cummins in indore and pushing cheteshwar pujara into a corner with a 63 field in indore and eventually right. dismissing him uh, with that stranglehold so it's very important for captains to be proactive in india and it has been a hallmark of baseball it's a very limiting definition to restrict it to just batting because it applies to bowling enterprise fielding and their captaincy tactics so it'll be very interesting to see how the bowlers are rotated how the field placements are designed to you know make the batters fall it would be a very enticing prospect and another thing that i want to add is that not to undermine kevin peterson's 186 in mumbai but at that point if you see the indian spinners harbhajan singh pragyan oja these were essentially one trick ponies but nowadays with ashwin having developed the carom ball the sliders and the myriad variations it will be all the more difficult to execute those firebrand cricketing shots right absolutely but you know when it comes to people like bairstow and stokes you don't you don't write them off i mean yeah yeah definitely i am expecting they'll make at least one impact each in maybe more than one in these tests and that will probably also determine how the game will go but you know is india having their own answer to baseball simply because shreyas ayer said leaving the ball bores him so <laughs> yeah definitely he made run a ball 48 and he's in the squad he's probably a starter as well as far as india are concerned so Correct. india also will come up with a little bit of a fight back because kl rahul will probably look to be steady while it will all depend on how kohli ayer and rahul right and rohit sharma mm-hmm. i expect will remain positive mm-hmm. and gil number 3 will have something to prove as to you know saying i'm the next guy for the spot in all formats yeah. and so on so i'm looking forward to all of these yeah as you uh, speak of gill a very interesting anecdote comes to my mind uh, this was during the border gavaskar trophy uh, the previous one and gill had been stumped uh, trying to hit nathan land down the ground in one of the games mm-hmm. and obviously as a batter when you suffer that kind of a dismissal the initial reaction is to go into your shell in the next innings and not try something of that sort again but it was a peek into how the modern day batter operates that as soon as lethan dan was introduced into the attack gill stepped down the track put on his dancing shoes and wagged him down the ground hmm gill right it's been a little bit of a weird thing for me because he looks always in touch he looks beautifully composed and only thing that missing is somehow he gets gives his wicket away yeah and he'll always be scoring well in any format yeah. of the game i mentioned this i think in the previous episode when we discussed his performances in south africa he never yeah. looked out of form so to say yeah. just that 
against the run of play he gets dismissed same in the yeah. second t20a and so on yeah. but okay we'll see if uh, first t20a sorry we'll see yeah. if... sometimes ajit when you're supremely talented it is also an embarrassment of riches because you have two scoring shots for one particular delivery yeah maybe to pick which one is the way right as Correct, tendulkar yeah. once said i mean yeah. that's what made him tendulkar but walking <laughs> yeah. away from that so let's have a quick chat on this other international series that we see pakistan uh, new zealand where uh the two t20as have unfolded in between the episodes so pakistan maybe a little disappointing do you think or you expected this is how things would go for them mm, i think the considering the dimensions of the new zealand venues uh huge totals were on the board and it has proved to be the case because new zealand have posted huge totals in both the games and now they are leading the series 2-0 um it was obviously going to be a slightly bumpy transition because shahin afridi has taken over the reins from babar azam who has now been freed up entirely with mohammad rizwan being the deputy uh, so obviously i'm not jumping to judge as of now because obviously when a new captain is handed out the reins it takes a while to gel with all the guys in a new capacity and take stock of how the team will shape up uh, but i think they should perform slightly better in the remaining games so both are of course chasers and you would expect the stronger team will want to chase but in this case new zealand have chosen to bat and there's nothing wrong there simply because their top order clicked in both hmm. the games finland giving them a good start for me one of the concerns is devon conway but in the rest of the top order maybe glen phillips needs a bit more time in the middle yeah. but the rest of them are fine i thought Yeah. and of course there is this talking point of um ken williamson retiring hurt and not being available for the rest of the series mm. uh, is he pushing his body too much maybe he should stick to one format do you think the best one that is test cricket obviously mm-hmm. yeah it was a very unfortunate thing for him to injure his ankle i think during the ipl because he was attempting for a catch on the boundary line and that uh, probably induced the chain reaction from which he had to spend a lot of time on the treatment table but it was good to see him score some runs out there um, his mm-hmm. 50 and daryl mitchell's half century powering new zealand to a gigantic 226 um, but yeah i do think that that's how world cricket is shaping along with players prioritizing formats and a very interesting uh, statement was given out by decock because he said that when you are approaching 32 34 when you're on the wrong side of 30s it's that final slab a window of opportunity to have your final top up as a franchise cricketer so he doesn't mm. want to let loose of that opportunity so yeah, it's quite fascinating how the dynamics are shaping up with all these leagues coming up around the world and we've already seen the ripple effects of south africa prioritizing sa20 over the international side that was sent to new zealand <laughs> Hmm. I don't know if it's him trying to really extend his T20 international circuit career mm-hmm. or so on. Mm-hmm. I'm more worried about this guy being a test match winner. Mm-hmm. We saw the immediate impact he brings to the squad when he's in the team, the test match team. He's able to score those important runs. He scored another hundred in the previous series where he won the game, yeah. or he set up the series and and so on. So when you look at all that, I mean, he's more important as a test match winner. Yeah, and I dare say his body, given his hamstring troubles and so on, yeah, and elbow is well. not really correct, right? Elbow and hamstring, it's no issue. Then, yeah. yeah, in theory, a test match is more demanding than a T20A, but apparently for him, the way he sets himself up, maybe 
he's in a better position to play test matches than t20a as you know as contrasting as that might sound but Correct. nonetheless i think for a test match winner i think he should still focus on winning test matches in the remaining amount of time because i don't see him really coming to play this t20a circuit or t20 circuit must say once his retirement happens or when he's yeah. close to the retirement for yeah. him he's also the respect he has earned winning test matches and sort of playing those tough innings yeah. right for me he's one of those people who are like pujara who's adapted to the shorter formats rather than the other way not yeah. like a david warner or somebody right so in this case him people even like kohli i dare say they can actually look at extending their longer right. format presence because they are test match winners and that yeah. is what probably is the most satisfying i don't know if i'm right when i judge it like this but probably the most satisfying as a cricketer as well so something right. to see there but i did something i want to add to this debate is that this debate when you're talking outside the big 3 uh, that is india england and australia this debate is heavily influenced by finances as well because yeah yeah uh, someone like virat kohli can choose to sit out an ipl but i'm not sure if like kane williamson or how the new zealand pay structure stacks up but other teams have to rely on the shorter format games as well to you know keep their coffers full now nah, but i think the individual beneficiaries the uh, is the important point there rather than boards getting much out of it so yeah. it's always an individual because otherwise people like quentin de kock would never have been allowed to walk away right yeah. even though because he plays sat 20 right there but he will not play the national team it's not the boards but the individual who takes these calls and also is benefiting from it and yeah. from that perspective i think ken williamson i read in the air so to say that he might call time on one or two of his the formats just to make it happen that he plays better in the other the longest format so yeah. i'm looking forward to how that goes but coming to the on field results from a pakistan perspective look uh they have also tried to give chances to some new people because it's also might yeah, be the yeah. thought of the new captain right abbas afridi has come in amir jamal who's been doing well on the antipodian tour has continued yeah, but unfortunately amir jamal not much of a result in the t20a so far but it's a five match series let's see if he'll get more chances shahin shah afridi himself yeah. at least he's beginning to take wickets again but that swing that that dangerous swing that we usually associate with him is not to be seen not in tests yeah. t20a is very tough to judge that harris rauf has come back to the squad but you would expect a little bit more from the pakistan bowling lineup because usama mir also not not really impressive shadab is not available here by the looks of it so mm-hmm. all of this when you see i think they may have to then also say did they have the best bowling squad because the batting mm-hmm. we know has been under fire no doubt yeah babar azam yeah. hitting some runs fakar zaman making some runs uh, iftikhar ahmed not really the the lower middle order the finishers are the ones that are having the issue uh iftikhar azam maybe shahin shafridi if he considers himself a finisher these days but also right up top saim ayub will play only one way it's very clear right he'll mm-hmm. be the next big hitter potentially if he clicks mohammad rizwan batting up top has not yet paid off he got them yeah. off to a quick start in the first t20a but they couldn't convert it because the first t20a mm-hmm. was a huge total second mm-hmm. one again 16 and out so there i think having somebody like fakar zaman in the middle order instead of just to have him open because mm-hmm. they want to accommodate rizwan because he's also the vice captain right so mm-hmm. um it's a very tough call i suppose but i think pakistan are not heading the right way when they keep both babar and rizwan in the t20a 11 i don't, I don't know what you think 
Yeah, I think uh, the point you made about Pakistan being magnificent in parts during the bowling was a key one because uh, in the second T20I, the victory was fashioned obviously by a blazing 41 ball 74 from Finn Allen. And mm. it seemed as if uh, New Zealand would again go on to post a total in excess of 200. But from there to have restricted yeah. the host under 200 and then threaten to chase it down um, via the 87 run stand between Babar Azam and Fakhar Zaman. So yeah, Pakistan have been playing well in parts, but it hasn't been a coordinated team effort so far. And with the series on the line, Pakistan have their task cut out because the hosts have only lost twice in 12 games in Hamilton since 2008. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one to overturn because you would expect it'll again be a high-scoring game. Whoever will bat first will look to put enough runs on board so that they're comfortably... um, comfortably going to have at least 20-30 runs in the bank, let's just say, for uh, enforcing yeah, a win. Before we uh, like move on to the next uh, topic, a word of appreciation, Ajit, for Tim Saudi, who continues uh-huh. to sharpen his tools, becoming the only player to take 150 wickets in T20Is. Absolutely. You would think, again, one of those people who you would think would be perfect fit for test matches, the pace at which he yeah. bowls, the lines, lengths. He's Definitely. continued to reinvent himself, right? Yeah. And uh, to to show up like this and to do what he's been doing, uh, he's even the test match captain. So you'd think his focus may have shifted a little. But no, yeah. he's their most successful uh, T20A bowler as well. And he shows again and again, it's not about pace. It's about the guile with which you, with yeah. which you bowl, right? So it's, it's yeah. very nice to see that. Yeah. So yeah, indeed, congratulations to Tim Saudi as well with that small milestone. But as you said, I find it uh, very tough to see how Pakistan might... Uh, turn this around, but it's Pakistan, right? You never write them off. That's that's why we watch Pakistan games. So looking yeah, forward to that. Team. As a team. Right? Because this is exactly what they need. Because I've spoken like this, Mohammad Rizan will come score a I don't know, 60 of 28 balls next game and they'll win the match uh-huh. and so on. But let's see. Also, it might be the toss. They might do well if they bat once first. So let's see how that goes. Yeah. Um, moving on. To the Sri Lanka Zimbabwe series, the ODI series has happened in the meantime, and the first T20A. I mean, Zimbabwe's performance in the ODI is a little disappointing for you, considering how they did in the previous tour. Yeah, I think uh, they have been underperforming a little, uh, mm. but it was nice to catch up a little on the Sri Lanka Zimbabwe games. Uh, although my job with Gorilla Cricket entails covering the Indian team at large, but I've been mm. keeping a tab on the results. Um, I think Rain had the final say in the first ODI, the series opener. But we still got to witness a brilliant century from Charit Asalanka. Uh, I think uh, Sri Lanka were languishing at 1.125 for 4 and then he took them to 273. Madhushanka struck twice early before weather obviously played spoil sport. And in the second ODI, a fabulous knock from Janith Lianage. I hope I'm pronouncing it right because Sri Lankan names are a little crazy that wise. Hmm. And... Uh, just his second ODI and chasing 209, the Islanders are obviously tottering at 53 for 4. And for him to then lead the rear guard along with the tail was good to watch. And I think Zimbabwe had the game in the bag through Richard Angarawa's maiden 5 wicket all, but weren't able to close out and ended up suffering a heartbreak. Absolutely. Little bit of awareness, I thought, in yeah. that game because. 
see they had the wickets right up front it was a low scoring game and this guy playing his first series really stepped up so the thing about sri lankan cricket is they always throw up these mercurial players there are of course long lasting long or long shining bright shining stars like sangakkara jayawardhana jayasurya but you also have these people who come in and who are really bright for a short period of time charit asalanka is stepping up to be the bright shining star for a let's see if a short term or a long term because he's played a couple of exceptional locks in limited overs cricket yeah. recently yeah that 100 what you said right yeah. and if raza doesn't perform zimbabwe they they are in trouble i mean yeah that's the first thing they have to change because i don't know how much of a force people like craig irwin and um, even ryan burl remain because ryan burl always on and off it all yeah. falls on the shoulders of sikandar raza and they are trying different players they are trying clive madande faraz akram people the new opening pair for example in odis milton shumba so some of these people have to at some point in time have that breakthrough where they are able to yeah. combat and make those yeah. runs i don't see that yet so for me the bowling engrava blessing was rabani really good but not a lot to support them it, it comes yeah. back again on sikandar rasa so for me that's the real problem ajit just going back to the point you uh, made about sri lanka producing this volatile cricketers who have spots of brilliance i think hmm. i uh, read an incredible book by nathan leeman and ben jones uh, are hitting against spin and hmm. it talked about uh, a very interesting fact that countries like india which have a large talent pool they focus more on orthodoxy and conventionalism trying to make cricketers as close to the mold of perfection as possible because they have hmm. a large sample size to choose from so they can filter out those who don't fit into that criterion but countries like sri lanka which do not have a massive population and obviously have little concentrations of cricket uh, they tend to force grow cricketers who are, have this mercurial skill or who can change the complexion of the game in an inning or with a small spell so it was a very interesting facet of how sri lanka or pakistan for example continue to produce this unpredictable cricketers who may be mm. ruling the roost one day and come a cropper the next that's the thing right you focus on results then and you see who can give you that result at that point in time yeah. and then what you said there's no longevity is not always the concern at the start some cricketers still make it in both countries also for example um pakistan's cricket is all, at least was based on a similar approach for a long time yeah now i guess they are trying to build a system where people are a sort of already bred from a young age to be more conventional but yeah. still keeping that little bit of mercurialness right yeah. there right but look at new zealand just a small counterpoint to that same approach not a big yeah, pool yeah. of uh, players but they still churn out those consistent sort of stars who yeah. are very much based in orthodoxy if i may say like yeah. that, right yeah. but then of course you will have the glen phillips of course you will have people conways who who sort of you know whose origin may be from elsewhere but it really doesn't matter because they fit into that mold right away correct and then you have even cricketers like bolt saudi who are you should look at them as in theory purely conventional cricketers right yeah. but nonetheless um yeah. they are able to break out of that and shine so yeah it's basically a trickle down effect from the history and subtext of how you've performed over the years which instills that culture speaking of the third odi vanindu hasaranga who recently announced his retirement from test cricket just four right. caps at 26 years of age with an eye on prolonging his limited overs career 
the decision mm-hmm. seems to be serving its purpose as he returned like 7 for 19 in the final odi uh bowled out for 96 in 22.5 was mbappe and which is now the record for the fifth best men's odi bowling figures absolutely so that caught us all by a little bit of surprise but if you look back at it really you would say okay we may have seen that coming same like henry classen sort of correct correct uh, agreeing to not play tests anymore because it doesn't suit him but that is a different age group of player and he's yeah. closer to the retirement than hasaranga but it's you can see that his innovations are more sort of geared towards people who are going to try and hit him yeah you don't see That's that orthodoxy in his bowling right mm-hmm. so you don't see that loop the flight the sort of trying to beat a more orthodox technique but yeah. it's more geared towards trying to beat somebody with that minimal amount of turn that is effective you saw most of the dismissals where people bowled or lbw yeah, yeah. right so of course he has the skill if he wants to build it up but then it takes a certain amount of one thought process but also certain amount of training to go back yeah. to the to that basic orthodoxy that will give you wickets in all yeah. formats so to say yeah. but this one is is more geared towards t20s and limited overs and it looked like bangladesh sorry zimbabwe were playing a t20 i don't know what they were doing it was a stop start game of course it was not easy yeah. to bat with yeah. all that happening but from 43 for no loss to be 96 all out you would see that they could have done better again yeah. one person fails the team fails sort of yeah. but the one real cracker of a game they produced was in the t20 right and yeah. there again i thought seven balls 20 runs to get two set batters or not that is really up against it three runs a ball you would have to say is really up against it right yeah. from that point in time again it's again those two bowlers engrava and uh, blessing musarabani you would expect they would take their team home that's just probably maturity lack of maturity there that yeah. they ended up bowling length balls they were all length balls that got hit all over the place mm-hmm. angelo matthews is you know you know when you're defending 16 in the last over blessing musarabani you think all you need to do is the first two balls you need to not let the batsman hit a boundary then the rest yeah. of it he's now pushed into a corner whoever is the batsman at on the strike is that's yeah, where they yeah. failed i thought where first mm. ball went for a four where he's waiting for a length ball and he's just hitting you back over your head yeah whereas the field you see is perfectly set for a either a leg side ball into his pads or a yorker on his pads something like this mm. because the mid off is up Hmm. so this sort of awareness or lack of communication i don't know what it was because you saw sikandar raza who's the captain in the t20s uh, gesticulating and sort of trying to tell his bowler where he needs him to bowl but that never hmm. happened right yeah. and they got a wicket but then uh, chamira the fast bowler <laughs> hit one right behind the keeper again six of two or so something like that you don't know where it will go but the ball went straight behind the keeper something for which you can't set the field they were a bit unlucky hmm. but then they didn't help themselves that was the thing for yeah. me so again from where they were even 2 3 years ago the way they were able to punch mm. to where they suddenly have found themselves i'm really worried about zimbabwe cricket that's the one point i had because mm. we talked about these different sorts of mindsets when it comes to the management and what sort of players they are trying to bring up mm. orthodoxy versus this mercurial nature you don't see either in zimbabwe cricket yeah i don't know if their first class setup is up to it in terms of um, competitiveness mm. right we recently saw somebody hit a 400 there so that's mm. good breaking all sorts of records in the first class setup in zimbabwe nonetheless oh, sorry a 300 i meant a, i did not mean a 400 but a 300 but still 
the bedrock of your you know the training how the players are brought up i mean just as a counterpoint somebody in coach bihar trophy hit a 400 right yeah. a youngster in prakar chaturvedi he hit a 400 right. in the final so it's not 300 400 these are not the numbers it's whom you are competing against yeah because these same players will be your uh, first class opposition when you come out of age group cricket and then eventually similar sort of people will also be available at the international cricket because we've heard of it time and time again where even people who've been sort of bashing about all the bowlers they can find for example batters right mm-hmm. in, in in domestic cricket the moment they come to international cricket they're like really because mm-hmm. it takes them so much by surprise yeah and we know enough stars who've been what we talk of as you know domestic giants not being really able to convert played great people of yesterdays right so yeah no for some people it might be mindset but with for many other people they just don't have that setup where they are used to facing bowling of that quality correct correct that's a beautiful explanation so for me that's the real problem for zimbabwe because yeah. at least in the shortest format you would expect that they would surprise a team or two if they cannot yeah. i don't know if what hope we should hold out for mm-hmm. the odis and tests so a lot to be discussed there zoning in on angelo matthews for a second uh, all right was discussed at the start of the recording that how the indian selectors have prioritized wealth of experience and temperamental fortitude when it comes to kohli and rohit being given an extended run even though they were not a feature of the indian t20i sides for the last year or so but they've been brought back into the fold uh, a similar case is unfolding with angelo matthews because it was his first t20i outing in almost 3 years and he mm. obviously fared well 46 of 38 uh, there have been allegations of personal agendas dominating the selectors judgment for him not being part of the t20 world cups despite performing well in the lpl that is lanka premier league seasons so uh, what is your overall assessment of that should you believe that he can be a part of the t20 world cup coming up because he is obviously an experienced campaigner and there is this constant debate of whether you should entrust too much faith into a youth oriented team because they tend to crackle when the tough situations arise well look he's a proven performer at the top level mm-hmm. but his returns in the limited overs have not been what they should be frankly mm-hmm. i think he may have gotten a new lease of life with his uh, close friend potentially upul taranga being the head of selectors mm-hmm. so maybe he's using that but for me it it again boils down to the group of people they have that they can get their hands on as selectors right mm-hmm. so i don't know if there are many other good finishers um probably people like kusal pereira and they have not ch- taken the chances that have come their way even kusal mendes is finally now stepping up yeah. you have now people like charita salanka janitliyanaga is too new but in any case there are many names like that even dasun shanaka you can say the same thing he was sort of completely out of the squad no longer the captain and so on but he, i think they have been given one more chance to see if as you say if they can translate that performances in lpl and other things to the next level yeah. and in this game the first t20 both of them did shanaka and uh, angela matthews was the man of the match right and for me it might seem as a regressive move in many other cricketing teams and cultures in sri lanka i don't think it is simply because the pool of players that are available to them might not be that big yeah so in this case well it might be a legitimate experiment in a t20 world cup year mm-hmm. all right so that was the zimbabwe sri lanka series now if we quickly go back to the women's 
last two T20s, India, Australia. So India sort of punched okay-ish in the, in the ODIs as well. They, I thought, were a little lackluster, but at least they won a game. But what happened in the T20s for a 3-0 clean sweep? Yeah, so the major takeaways for me, obviously, Australia women clean swept the ODIs and won the T20i series 2-1. So that, that is five victories from six wide ball games. And the major takeaways for me was the form of Harmanpreet Kaur and Smriti Mandana. Big runs eluded both the senior batters. And Deepthi Sharma's scoring rate at number six came under the scanner because her slow tempo towards the back end robbed a power hitter like Pooja Vastrakar of the bandwidth to create more of an impact as India's designated finisher. Uh, in the bowling department, I think with India moving on from the likes of Shikha Pandey and Julan Goswami, Renuka Singh has cemented a spot as the frontline fast bowler with obviously mm. Pooja Vastrakar sharing the new ball. Uh, from the fresh phrases, Titas Sadhu, who starred at mm. the inaugural Under-19 World Cup, has grabbed an opportunity with both hands and so has Shreyanka Patil. She transitioned smoothly after impressing in WPL 23. She uh, showed maturity beyond her years on ODI debut, returning one for 43 with the wicket of top scorer Phoebe Leachfield. Uh, this was the game on the 30th of December in one Khede. And I was really impressed to see the way she went about her business using pace, to her advantage on a surface that does favor the batters, how she slowed up and down and how she used the box, just going wide of the crease, coming towards the umpire and just trying to create different angles, different trajectories to spun a web around the Australian batters. And it was heartening to see even the likes of Elise Perry, Alisa Healy and Talia Magrath, who has been Australia's standout batter on this tour, not being able to really take the attack to a young spinner bowling in her maiden ODI game. It was amazing to see how the WPL has given wings to these young cricketers and now they are industry ready, so to say. Yeah, indeed. So first of all, thanks for correcting me. I got the results of the ODIs in the T20s the other way around. But look, look, for me, the real problem was the top order, the top four of Indian women's batting. Because yeah. you need better than, I don't know, 70 for four, right? In mm-hmm. both the games. So mm-hmm. against this Australian team, if you cannot top 150, 160, even 170 and so on, they'll not even be challenged, I think. yeah, That's where they are in their mindset and their preparation. And the top four, you you have to make the most of the runs. We can talk of Richa Ghosh, Diti Sharma, Pooja Vastrakar and so on. But the most of the balls have to be faced by the top four. And they have to make sure they bat into the 15th hour and have a run rate of about 7 or 8. This is a known thing when it comes to T20s. Yeah. That's where I think the Indian batting really failed them. And yeah. in both the games, they were only 140s and 130s, right? So that's not going to be enough. So yeah. that was the real problem as far as I'm concerned. And that's where we really, I think, should focus on simply because the bowling was okay. Yeah. Um, they did their bit. They tried to stretch the total to as far as possible, yeah. stretching the Australian team into the 18th, 19th overs. But no, but look at their top order. On the other hand, Alisa Healy, Beth Mooney making runs, right? Yeah. And then Talia Magrath or Elisa Perry following up immediately. There the game finishes for me. Yeah. Right. Phoebe Litchfield, who's really a breakout star as far as I'm concerned on this tour, yeah. she bats in the middle order in the limited hours games and she didn't even have to do much in both the games and bowlers I would say they did their best to stretch a game that was already sort of in trouble 
right yeah. harman preet the entire tour except for one innings i think in tests i think she couldn't do much yeah so i don't know if age finally might be catching up with her i know it's not a nice thing to say mm. but we'll have to think about it i'm sure the indian selectors are already looking about it even as fans mm. you say where is she heading from here is it going to yeah. be the t20a circuit because yeah. i have not seen harman preet play that sort of an innings mm. in more than a year or so where you would have that one or two real breathtaking innings from her every mm. year and a lot of consistent runs that's slowly being going down so yeah. i'm a little worried there as well yeah um this was the real test you know australia coming to your shores the real team to beat mm. having beaten them in tests to flatter in this way and then deceive in the limited overs was a little disappointing as an india fan but mm. let's see if they are able to pick themselves up going further yeah and they also have a wipl to look forward to plenty of good cricket that we'll get to see from indian women players yeah you spoke about the promotion of richa ghosh to the top of the order yeah amul mazumdar has been backing that move as something that can be pulled off and mm-hmm. i completely agree to the point that your top four should contribute significantly because if you just put it on a pedestal with how australia went about in the odi series opener so uh, india post 282 and even managed to dismiss alisa healy early uh, with mm-hmm. uh, snare ana taking a brilliant catch in the gully region and from there onwards the top 3 just continue to boss the attack and australia cruise home with india waiting for a mistake from the opposition in the chase a short short way to lose games of cricket so just adding to that run of play i think india would do well to introduce a leg spinner mystery spinner or a genuine quick you know you could produce those breakthroughs when runs come thick and fast on the play set pitch because india is also ruining the skill and smarts of julan goswami in the middle phase and i think the captaincy tends to be a little laid back when batters get set so mm-hmm. a little bit more proactivity and obviously as you speak that the selectors are mulling over the options i think we might see a wind of change in the indian women setup in the next coming months all right let's see how the team shapes up after the wipl yeah now moving off the cricket field on to some other interesting news so the australian team that is uh, ready to take on a very interesting looking west indian team right in tests smith will open and green will slot in at number 4 so that's the first thing now that you know warner has walked off into the sunset there was always going to be a chance that a proper opener cam bancroft yeah. marcus harris one of these people might come in but they have actually got a very persuasive smith actually who's yeah. sort of who wants more apparently who wants to do something more he was sort of not feeling up to it i suppose he's done enough in the middle order he thought i'll go up the order now being an opener is a real specialist job for me with the yeah. new baller against the new ball i think and that's a very interesting uh, challenge that smith has opted for and yeah. uh, when it comes to the rest of the 11 for australia there may be some experimental things we know so in this case your thoughts on first of all the australian squad Yeah, first of all, when you talk about the exclusion of Cam Bancroft, uh, it was understandable why he was moved because he was the leading run scorer in the Sheffield Shield for the past two seasons. And Victorian opener Marcus Harris was also left out. Uh, he appeared to be the man most likely to fill the Warner-sized hole, but both were overlooked. And you used a very uh, key word that is persuasive for Smith pushing his case to open because even the leadership group. Pat Cummins was 
opposite hmm. when it came came to pushing smith up the order and he was content with the champion batter's output at number 4 didn't really want to shuffle the deck chairs but smith seems to have had his way and now he's opening the batting so it will be good to see how he goes about his new role he said that he doesn't like to wait a lot so <laughs> one box is ticked for now right cummins did come out and say the let's say the test match futures of these other cricketers doesn't have to be get you know getting affected because of that yeah it's very interesting to hear that but here is an opportunity where people like cam bancroft or marcus harris have been doing the rounds scoring the runs smith may want a different challenge but you know in the longer term it's like it's a, it's a really tough equation because what about yeah. stuart loss and other people you'll ask Sorry. in the in that golden era against the middle order batting in australia but this is a makeshift opener at the end of the day there yeah. stuart law or somebody was kept out even darren lehman for some years because um these people are all middle order players and yeah. there was there were enough middle order batsmen there you can also talk of the the illustrious uh, you know four in indian middle order and so on so but when it comes to opener i somehow still think it's a very specialized job you you need to be doing it for a decade or so from your developmental age the muscle memory you are correct right but smith yeah. being smith you will never write him off Right. but for me that felt like an interesting approach yeah and uh, just to wait up with the conversation you brought up about not sending the right message down the domestic circuit it has also happened with the likes of abhimanyu ishwaran priyank panchal sarfraz mm. khan in the indian domestic circuit because when you fast track guys with white ball pedigree uh, mm. yashasvi tilak verma and uh, Ishan Kishan, Surya Kumar Yadav, over those who have been churning out tons of runs in the domestic arena, it right. is a tough pill to swallow. Correct. I mean, somebody like Sarfraz Khan, he should have debuted in that series where Surya debuted. But anyway, that's another story. Yeah. Uh, openers, I, I see some leeway because Shubman Gill can play at three. He's an opener. So he was sort of finding his feet. Mm-hmm. And then Yashasvi Jaiswal, I think the way he's shown himself in the... longer formats you can see a complete as i said jacklin hyde sort of an approach so apparently he's he's still a good longer format opener but here it's a typical number 4 sort of the main stuff your lineup coming up to bat at number 1 and usman khwaja is also not very far away from retirement he's 36 plus you'll see him hang up his boots in a season or two so those things are going to be interesting how they'll manage because matt renshaw is in the squad as a cover for australia right mm. and cameron green they want to desperately induct him into uh, longer format somehow back in because he's seen as the future of australian cricket potentially a you know future captain and so on yeah. and as a backup mitchell marsh will have his time but cameron green has the time on his side as well so we'll see how that goes yeah. so the rest of the squad is not really surprising so stark hazelwood and boland to backup come in so i expected one or two of these to maybe rested but they have chosen to play so that's yeah. that's good to see as well yeah. uh, because what that what that gives me is a fear for this west indian team because they have chosen a relatively new team you have craig brathwaite sort of who's been here for a decade or so but mm-hmm. the rest of the top order kirk mckenzie ali katanaze mm-hmm. right justin greaves uh, you are a bit worried about it tagnar and chandrapal is still an unproven quantity at the top level then a lot of onus falls on the keeper batter this is because many of the regulars have made themselves unavailable for one reason or the other in west indies let's not go yeah. there that's a too deep discussion but how do you see whether this west indian team will be even able to punch uh, in the couple of sessions and then maybe a day or two they fall away or do you really see them surprising this australian team firstly uh, 
अजीत डू यू थिंक हैविंग अ फुल स्ट्रेंथ स्कॉड एज ऑस्ट्रेलिया हैव uh do you think it could be a measure to maximize the wtc advantage because we know that it can be a tall order once things reach the business end of the tournament hmm i think so with teams really jostling for competition in that middle table so when teams sense blood they go all in and try and maximize their advantage why not look you are playing at home you are playing to your advantage right yeah the team coming to tour you has sent a weakened squad it's not your fault the same yeah. when it comes to new zealand later when they take on south africa i suppose definitely yeah there is a clear price to be had in two years time where you get to go to a finals to play a potential yeah. trophy final right exactly so, my point yeah so it's up to the team that's coming to also be aware of it yeah if they choose to prioritize it in another format or another tournament or t20s in general then again who is to be blamed is a question but in some cases the board's hand might be forced in west indies in this case specifically yeah. right so how do you handle it well can you build the breadth like a team like india or england that can field two squads at the same time even australia and south africa probably but maybe not so in that case one of their formats will suffer but i'm sorry to say it's the test match format yeah but clearly t20s the money that it brings in has slightly better um let's say attraction to players yeah. then the longer slog where at the end of five days you even might have shake hands as a draw right this is unfortunately how the modern day is shaping up when it comes to outlook on cricket but i was a little disappointed when i saw kyle myers or jason holder not making themselves available whom i thought were both very good test match players mm-hmm. right and somebody like hetmeyer falling away and not even being able to keep his uh, slot in the limited overs Uh, yeah. teams so all that is a bit disappointing if you are a west indian fan yeah, a very interesting statement came from mark butcher in this regard he said that mm-hmm. one of the things that made this even more inevitable is that wtc was something that was done to try and salvage test cricket but right. the point is that your bilateral series have to capture the imagination of the fans this was his opinion and Correct. the players of the two countries that are playing in it and the wider cricket watching public they should ensure that it is competitive and that's how it always was but nowadays butcher added that nobody really cares about wtc until you reach the business end of the tournament nobody can care less about what's going on which team is up or down the pile so what's your take on that now it's already too late then right so you mm-hmm. might wake up with i don't know 6 months left in the wtc cycle and then you'll see you're too far behind already yeah, yeah. only teams which well teams like india and australia who've consistently been there or there about australia missed out in the first time by some you know penalty they received at the very end yeah otherwise it would have been india australia potentially again in that final and yeah. then new zealand came up and won the trophy that's good india have lost twice in the final but they've still sort of prioritized all their home series very well to win them Hmm. to give themselves a clear advantage even in that uh, last home series right where they had to beat england by at least three test wins uh-huh. they did that india right hmm. so when you look at all this you see the focus is still there so it's all about putting out a strong team so even now yeah. when india were losing 1-0 in south africa there was a lot of talk on where this is going but india bounced back and they walked away with something to salvage from that series as well right so that's the whole point even when you are touring you have to try and salvage one game or two you don't let it completely be a one sided thing but especially yeah. playing at home you will look to maximize those points and yeah. if if there are three day tests it's not entirely australia's fault is it yeah 
and the modicum of intrigue that had been building in the initial stages of the WTC was, I think, slightly killed by the shifting of goalposts that happened with regards to the scoring points and the home and away format. I think a bit more consistent calculation could have, you know, drawn Test cricket fans to actually keep a tab on how the teams are jostling up and down the table. We will see more of innovation and we'll see more uh, changes to the laws. But as things stand, yeah. it's not bad. That's the whole yeah. point for me. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I enjoy it because there's something up for grab in every test match. Exactly. And look, yeah. playing a test match and winning it for the sake of itself is a good thing. Right? Yeah. And yeah. that contributing to a series a win and then eventually to a bigger picture every two years, that is already enough intrigue for me because a yeah. test match can change from session to session, from hour to hour. So that's yeah. why you are watching it as a test match fan, right? So from that perspective, that, that already has enough intrigue. But then if teams are not able to come with full force, that's something they are missing out on. Yeah. And Correct. they are choosing to sort of let it sort of uh, put it on the side. Then it's it's yeah. unfortunate because in this okay. case I really worry for the West Indian team coming back to this one here. They might even punch for a session or two is what I'm thinking. If Australia yeah. bat first in these tests, I mean they'll be in the ground for two days until Australia choose to retire, declare or whatever. So that's the sort of worry I'm really having. Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to the contest and just following up on what you said, I'm expecting West Indies to give them a hard fight, show the stomach for a contest, and. It has been a little sad to see their gradual demise in international cricket. But West Indies do belong to that cadre of cricketers who have that war when vigor about them. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping they can make an impact in sports, if at all. There is always an opportunity, right? To make yeah. a name for yourself, become the next big thing. The way sort of Kyle Myers or somebody announced himself. So you can always try and score big runs away in Australia. It will always be well uh, respected even people like Tagnarayan, for example, to show he's the worthy successor to Chandrapal name and so yeah. on. So there's plenty to be had. And Kimar Roach is still there leading the attack. The spin contingent mm. might be a bit weak, but you still have Alzari and Kimar in fast bowling. So there's always something there. But can they punch consistently across five days and then across a whole series? That remains to be yeah. seen. Yeah. Now, news that you know might affect in the coming days. One Hampshire is confirming that they are in an investment talk with the GMR Group, which is the Delhi Capital's uh, parent company. Do you see finally that, you know, some Indian um, big cricketing conglomerates might also get a foothold in English domestic circuit when it comes to, you know, uh, Mm. county championship and so on? Yeah, the wheel was set in motion, I think, three or four seasons ago, or Mm. maybe even back with uh, Indian entities buying shares in the West Indian franchise units and from there on, we saw how that ripple effect panned out with SA20 seeing a lot of Indian stakeholders. And now it's moving towards the English setup as well, where Hampshire have confirmed that they are fully engaged in some detailed negotiations with inventors. And the GMR group, the co-owners of Delhi Capitals, are in advanced talks hmm. about buying shares in the parent company. So I'm right. looking forward to how this disinvestment happens with Indian cricket spreading wings it will obviously have a bearing on other conglomerates as well they've had a lot of stake in T20 teams everywhere but this is the first time where a county test team a county team might be actually 
impacted mm-hmm. and what it means the moment they have a seat on the table and mm-hmm. england and english establishment is so particular about how the county cricket should be played and what it means within the english game itself right mm-hmm. so this is going to be an interesting uh, development and as you say rightly we wait and watch on what this really means how much they'll be involved and so on so let's see how that goes mm-hmm. uh, the last news is that a couple of stalwarts of australian cricket whom we've seen for years and years have slowly sort of withdrawn from one format and the other Sean Marsh and uh, Aaron Finch have decided to call time on their T20 careers as well. So, the Melbourne Renegades games that end the you know the latest edition of BBL will be their last games. They say. Maybe let's quickly ask you any good uh, memories when it comes to Finch and uh, Sean Marsh. You would like to quickly recall? With Finch, it was always a funny case of him moving teams in the IPL, but obviously a very destructive cricketer and. Mm. Uh, Sean Marsh, you loved his languid, effortless stroke play and also a very gritty cricketer when it came to negotiating those tough patches. Although one of the memories as an Indian fan are obviously associated with that Jaspreet Bumrah's slower delivery uh, on the stroke of lunch. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I wish them all the best and now they'll be delegating to commentary boxes or Panditri. Absolutely. And rightly... Uh, we wish them all the best going away into the sunset and so on. But I thought it's a contrast between these two when you look at what they've achieved. Finch is a World Cup winning Australian captain, right? And mm-hmm. that came out of nowhere for me simply because uh, this guy maximized the limited amount of talent he had. I mean, he he mm-hmm. turned he turned up at international cricket like a biffer, like a you know village blacksmith yeah. being able to hit the ball very hard. For him to have yeah. played a few tests, but actually having been in the Australian setup or set up for a long time and eventually winning a World Cup for them. That is... Outdid himself. Right? On the other hand, if you yeah. look at Sean Marsh, it's I think it's another... It's the exact other end of the spectrum where a very talented person could not convert the talent to mean more in the longer formats. But also, maybe... Yeah. You know, he's always there to score tough runs. Be it for his IPL team, be it for his state team, be it for mm-hmm. his BBL team. That's Sean Marsh, who he is. Maybe he was not able to keep himself mentally just... There are thereabouts in those crucial 15, 20 minutes, half an hour period, that last ball before lunch sort of situation, what you mentioned. Uh, Nonetheless, it's a lovely comparison, No, but I just felt it like that. And it makes sense. History will tell us more in 25, 30 years down the line if that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And something that has always been associated with the Marsh brothers is a bit of hot headedness Mm. because uh, even Mitchell Marsh, I think was called an idiot by Justin Langer when he punched his hand into a dressing room wall and injured himself uh, during a test match. Perfect. So okay. Maybe you are on point when you say that there's a little bit of lack in terms of mental application when it came to converting and optimizing that talent. Just the temperament, I suppose. We'll see if Mitch Marsh now is yeah. sort of seemed to have kicked up a gear, is able to stay there. Right? Correct, correct. But he's a late bloomer in that That's sense. okay. I mean, see... Uh, yeah. Australian cricket does encourage people who come into their own in their early 30s, but then two to three, yeah. four years of good, even high level cricket in tests and so on is enough. In Mitchell Marsh has won World Cups as well. Right. So, all right. Yeah. Those are all the cricketing news and other topics that we wanted to discuss in this episode. Thanks as always for a lovely chat, Aryan. You're welcome, Ajit. Always a pleasure interacting with you. Would you like to plug uh, any of your new upcoming blogs? or other articles or other work you may be doing? Yeah, sure. Um, So, apart from appearing on other podcasts, I 
also have one of my own podcast which is cricket beyond borders where i team up with a guy from pakistan and the us and we talk about the global happenings in cricket and deeper analytical dives and this is a branch out of my cricketing work but primarily i write features for gorilla cricket you can head over to their website and roll over to the feature section where you'll find detailed statistical analysis and match reports features on the indian team and recently in the last year i also broadened my horizons taking other teams into my wings so uh, i would urge people to read my content and provide feedback on my twitter platform or linkedin and it would be nice if i can redirect some traffic from this podcast onto my original work absolutely i recommend both the podcast as well as uh, the written work of aryan is very engaging to read and listen thank you so much ajit thank you once again from our side as well for you uh, you've taken the time to be on the podcast and as always it's been very enjoyable for me as well we hope to have you again sometime soon so we'll see when that opportunity arises so sure. we thank also all our listeners for their patronage and we wish to have you in the upcoming episodes we wish you all a good day wherever you may be listening from goodbye This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.